Welcome to the Summit County HealthCast, a podcast to improve the health and wellness of residents in Summit County, Utah. Join us as we interview local experts, professionals, and more to provide you with the best health and wellness tips Summit County has to offer. Let's get started. everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Summit County HealthCast. I'm here today with Alyssa Mitchell, who is one of our health educators in the health promotions department. Alyssa, how are you doing today? Doing good, Derek. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Why don't you start off introducing yourself to everyone and telling them a little about what you do here at Summit County? Sure. So... I work in our tobacco and injury prevention program specifically under... Each of those, I do a various amount of different projects with tobacco prevention. I do our compliance checks, make sure our retailers aren't selling to minors. I do education with some of our youth groups, and actually that kind of falls under an umbrella of different topics. My big focus is with my youth groups out in North Summit with the middle school and the high school. Um, We do lots of different topics. We do tobacco prevention, seatbelt safety, We're even doing a food drive this spring with both the youth groups, so that'll be great. With injury prevention, I chair our Safe Kids Coalition, and I'm on our Suicide Prevention Coalition as well. Um, We do car seat checks here. Just lots of different... A little bit of everything, right? A little bit of everything, yeah. What are some of your interests outside of work, things like that? I love crafting, so I knit... I do scrapbooking. Those kinds of things are lots of fun. I have two kids, so spending time with them is always a must. I love being outdoors, so I like going hiking and camping, especially during the summertime. I've recently learned to love snowshoeing as well and my family snowmobiles. So tell us a little bit about your background in health education and the health field in general and some things that you did before coming to the health department. So I've worked in healthcare honestly a long time. I was my first job ever, I was a CNA. So I've worked in the health industry a long time and then with my education, I have a bachelor's degree in health promotion and education from the University of Utah. It's a great experience. I did my internship with the American Heart Association with their Jump Rope for Heart program, and that actually introduced me to some of the schools up here in Park City. McPolin and Jeremy Ranch both participate in that program. And then I, before I worked here, I worked for Salt Lake County Health Department. I worked on their cancer control program and did a lot of prevention efforts and education with radon and skin cancer and I did that for about two and a half years before I was hired on here. So I've been in the field a while and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Okay. Was health promotion something you always wanted to do growing up or how how did you end up going into that in college? No, and it was honestly an accident. I was <laughs> I started out in college as a nursing major and I was trying to sign up for one of my electives and I ended up in a different class and honestly it was just a typo and I didn't catch it until it was too late to get out of that class, but it was an introduction to health occupations class and so they invited different health occupation people just to come in and talk to us and one of them was a health promotions person and her name was Anita and as she explained the program and explained 
the job responsibilities and the types of work that the health educators did, I really became interested in it and ended up switching majors over to health promotion. So it was all purely by accident. That was a pretty lucky accident though, right? Oh yes. It's one that I don't regret at all. Not, and I, nursing is a great field and kudos to the nurses who are in that field. I just found health promotion was a better fit. All right. Well, we're definitely glad that you did and you ended up here. We mentioned this a little bit kind of in the introduction, but why don't you give us an idea of some of the day-to-day stuff you do here at the health department? Great. Well, honestly, my day-to-day kind of changes, which is one nice aspect about my job just because I work in so many different programs. I honest, so basically with my job, I just looked at my I look at my grant requirements and I have different projects based off of that. I recently just got done doing compliance checks, so one of the aspects I do there is I work with my local retailers. I'll send them letters on whether or not they passed the check. And then if they didn't, I meet with them and work with them and provide education to their employees on how to sell tobacco here in Utah. The tobacco age is 19, so we're really looking at them making sure that they check IDs to make sure that young people who come in that they're at least 19 years old. Some other job responsibilities, I do car seat checks, so I call and remind our different clients of their appointment times, and we do give out car seats to low-income persons, so if there's any car seats that are needed, I get those ready for distribution, and then I just wait for the people to show up, and we help them install the car seats, and I make sure that they know how to do it. It's one thing if I do it, but if I teach someone how to do it, then if something happens or if they need to move, switch cars, then they know how to do it themselves. At least what I've heard and kind of seen from the program is there's actually a lot of ways to put a car seat in wrong, which you wouldn't think so. I mean, just from the outside looking in, but why don't you tell us some common mistakes people make with car seats and just installing them or placing their children in them, things like that. Sure. So first of all, 75% of car seats installed the first time are installed wrong. Oh man. And I'll kind of go off of my own experience. I haven't always been a car seat technician. With my first child, when we went to go install the seat, one of the problems we had was it wasn't tight enough. If people shake the base of the seat, that's the part of the uh, the base that's closest to the actual seat of the car, if they mm-hmm. shake that and it moves more than an inch side to side, it's too loose. So they okay. need to tighten it. That's usually the first area we look at. The angle is usually off. For people on the car seats, there's usually a level indicator. And this is what a lot of people struggle with. They try and get the car seat tight and at the correct level. And so that's just one of the things we look for on a case-by-case basis. Sometimes we can use a pool noodle to actually help adjust okay. the level. Other times... The trick of the trade, right? Yes. Yeah, so we, we do have lots of little tricks that can help. And sometimes even with infant seats, you can just adjust the foot of the base to make it higher to mm-hmm. help with that level indicator. With kids actually being installed in the cars, parents are not tightening the belts enough. And I know it's a problem. My own child, my two-year-old, complains all the time that I tighten the belt too much and they just don't like the feel of it. We have something called the the pinch test. Mm -hmm. So if people strap their child in and they can actually grab some of that belt and like pinch it, Mm -hmm. it's too loose and they need to tighten it. We used to have the finger rule, but everybody's hand sizes are different. So we really recommend that people tighten it and then try and see if they can pinch some of the webbing of the belt up by the child's shoulder. And if they can't, then we're good to go. So those are probably the most common mistakes I see. And I'm sure 
it sounds like minor things, but you know, in the event that you were in an accident, those those can make a big difference, right? Oh, they can. Oh, I guess especially during the winter time too. I get this question all the time, and I'll mention it now. We don't like kids wearing puffy coats or jackets with mm -hmm. their car seats, and people think, oh, it's still tight. I'm still pulling on the string and. They'll try the pinch test and they think it's tight enough. But if children actually take off their coats and then get re-strapped in, we're finding that there's actually several inches of space between their body and the belt. Okay. So to keep kids warm, especially this time of the year, you know, long sleeves. Um, and for little babies, those little onesie pajamas are really good. And then just cover them up with a blanket instead. Definitely good tips to keep in mind. So. One other thing I'd like to cover before we move on is just talking about different car seat ages and the importance of that. So why don't you just give us a quick rundown of what type of seat your child needs to be in and what age, when they can graduate out of a car seat, and different information like that. Sure. So by law, first of all, a child must be in a car seat or booster seat until at least the age of eight. Now with that being said, with newborns and young infants, generally the most popular type of seat is to get an infant carrier. You can actually also get convertible seats. We like to keep kids rear facing till the age of two, so that's something to keep in mind. It's best to look at actually not so much the age, but their weight requirements. So a lot okay. of the infant seats, the child can be in the seat rear facing up until about 30 or 35 pounds, but you also have to look at the height as well. So if you notice your child's head is getting close to the top of the car seat, it's time to graduate to the next size up seat, which I call convertible seats. Mm -hmm. They can keep kids rear facing longer. And then when the child's old enough, and when, again, we like to keep them rear-facing until at least the age of two, you can keep kids rear-facing up until about 40 pounds. Which is, what's the, I'm sure there's kind of, you know, just general if there's a wreck in the front stuff coming back, but what are some other reasons that rear-facing car seats are so important? So rear-facing is important because when you're in an accident, it supports the child's head, neck, and spine better than if they're forward facing, especially especially with little babies. They have no head control. So when they're in an accident, the car seat will move with their body and support their head, neck, and spine versus if they were forward facing, their poor little heads will flop forward. And we see a lot of children who are put forward facing too soon with spinal cord injuries. Okay. So that's the important reason why we say rear facing till at least the age of two or longer if you can. And convertible seats, once your child starts getting big enough, you can actually flip them forward-facing. And when they're forward-facing, we like to keep them in the five-point harness as long as we can. It just spreads, spreads out the force of a crash better. Mm -hmm. But when ch children start getting too big for the convertible seats, we then suggest, and this will usually be around preschool or kindergarten age, they have a couple of options. We can try and put them in a high-back booster seat. Or if they're able to, we can put them in a forward-facing car seat that still has the five-point harness. And many of those seats also part pair as booster seats later. But after that point, we just wait until they're about four feet, nine inches tall. And then we say that they're okay to graduate from the booster seat and use a regular seat belt. All right. That's definitely important information that we want parents out there everywhere to know and also to let people know that you do car seat checks on a regular basis so people yes. can come in. Yes, yeah, and... so all they have to do is just call the health department and schedule an appointment. We do car seat appointments at least twice a month, but we do request that you call ahead and do an appointment just because our staff is all over the place. And those are no cost, correct? Correct. 
And we do offer car seats to low-income persons. We do ask for a donation with those car seats, but the actual car seat check itself is no cost. Okay. So one other thing I wanted to touch on that I was just recently introduced that you do is the Suicide Prevention Coalition. So why don't you tell us a little bit what that's about and kind of how you got involved with it? Sure. So suicide rates in Utah are high, and they're actually high in a lot of Western states. Utah ranks eighth in the nation for amount of suicides that occur and actually we're fifth with youth. Um, And so because of that, the state began funding local health departments to create coalitions and do some suicide prevention efforts to help reduce those rates, provide education to the community. And so the Suicide Prevention Coalition, it was started before I got here. However, it was still pretty young. I want to say... It started in 2015 or 2014, but we pulled together different community partners to come together and talk about what was going on, what we saw going on in our communities and what education and resources were needed. So some of our partners include Valley Behavioral Health, um, the Sheriff's Office, schools are involved. We have nonprofits like the Connect Group, Speedy Foundation, NAMI that are all involved. And we, as a coalition, have created some specific areas that we'd like to target, schools being one of them, and also providing general education out in the community. And the program we use is called QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, Refer. And it's an easy one-hour course that we can go out and teach really anybody on just how to recognize the warning signs of suicide, and help save somebody's life. We also came together and created a resource list that we distribute wherever we can. Um, And actually right now we're looking towards partnering with different groups to start hosting more uh, community take back events as far as prescription drugs go um, to try and help reduce the means that are access to means to prevent suicides. And then we're also looking at some firearm education as well. Okay. And we have gun locks that we've provided at different community events as well. So is there a way for people to support this or get involved with it at this point? So at this point, really the support that we need, people are welcome to come to our coalition meetings. They're held fairly often. Our next one won't be until March. I don't have a date specifically planned on that. I'm waiting to hear back for, on some dates. If people are interested in hosting QPR events, though, out in their community, all they need to do is just call me and I can get that set up. So that's the biggest way people can get involved is, you know, if you have a church group, if you have a community group, anybody that you'd like to have the QPR training done for, we can host those for free and do that training. Okay. And they just need to call the health department. No, that's okay. Okay. um, So you can either... Like Alyssa just said, call the health department or look up some information on our website as well. And we have we have a lot of great information and resources out there that we'd love for the public to take advantage of. Yes. So now that we've kind of talked about some of the, the stuff you do here, what's an area of the health department that you're involved with that you wish people knew more about or took more advantage of? I think at this point, what I really what we really want people to know about, and it kind of goes along the lines of our suicide prevention efforts, we do offer a training for workplaces, specifically with HR departments, to not only provide information on how to prevent a suicide in the workplace, but also to come up with some policies 
in the unfortunate event, if there was a suicide that occurred in the workplace or a employee is dealing with a suicide on a personal level, we can actually help create policies, workplace policies on how to address the issue. So the training is two hours, but we do offer that training also for free. Something else that we're working on right now is to do some more skin cancer prevention and shade policies out in the community. Back in September, we actually did a tree planting event here at the health department to raise awareness about skin cancer and different ways to prevent it, which one of the ways is, is to be in the shade and out of the sun. So that's actually one area that we're looking to expand into right now is to help different cities, county, uh, the county, or even just different individual locations to try and incorporate some shade policies or at least some skin cancer prevention efforts like providing sunscreen to employees to help reduce our levels. We actually have the highest incident of melanoma in the state. Oh, wow. So that's one reason why we're looking at this right now. <laughs> I did not know that. So that's good information to have and something to keep in mind, even during the wintertime when you're outside enjoying oh, yourself. Yes. Snow is a reflective object, actually. So when you're outside, you have the sun glaring down at you and actually the snow is reflecting more of those UV rays back on you as well. So you can actually still get sunburnt quite severely, I found out a couple years ago <laughs> by being outside. So still when you're going skiing, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing, snowmobiling, please put sunscreen on. Something you don't think of automatically when you're planning on a day outside in the oh, winter no. time. Oh no. <laughs> okay. So looking, now that we've kind of talked about some things that we have going on here or some upcoming things that we're developing, looking into your crystal ball, what are some areas that you see Summit County, some challenge areas or some specific areas of growth that you see Summit County facing as a health department currently or maybe in the next 10 years, some challenges that we need to overcome or be aware of. Suicide prevention and mental health efforts is an area I see uh, needing to grow. I know we did our mental health survey last year and I'm working with many of our school districts and trying to get hope squads going and do QPR with the get QPR lessons going with the students, especially if we want to curb those suicide prevention rates, that is where we need to go. We need some more focus in that area. We're working actively to try it with community partners to get that addressed. ATV safety and education, I know is an area that we've been delving into a little bit in the last couple of years, helmet safety. Um, we do have a lot of unintentional fall injuries here in Summit County. Some of that we, we know has contributed to our active lifestyle, especially out in Eastern Summit County, ATVs, four-wheelers, side-by-sides, those are all commonly used. So we're trying to encourage helmet use and we'll be doing some more follow-up education programs out there with that. We also like to work with some of our ski resorts as well. I think in the future, try and get some safety as far as our skiers and snowboarders go. Sun safety is an area that I know I'm trying to push and shade policies is an area I'm trying to push for the future to help reduce our high skin cancer incidents. And also just, it's interesting with what's going on with e-cigarettes right now. The FDA came out with their deeming rule last year. So e-cigarettes are now being held to the same standards as regular tobacco products. Mm -hmm. So here in Utah, no one under the age of 19 should be in possession of them. And just, I'm interested to see where the studies are gonna go as far as e-cigarettes affect on health. I know they're doing many 
studies on that. So that'll be an area that we will be closely watching and we will continue to provide education to parents and students about the potential dangers of those products. Just going back to the ATV safety, sometimes in some of the classes you put on, I believe that you also give out helmets in some situations, just yes. depending on, um, but it's definitely an important topic and one like you mentioned that I think needs to be addressed, especially in the east side of Summit County where it's kind of a cultural thing I know growing up in Eastern Summit County, being on four-wheelers and ATVs and different things like that. It's just not something you think of maybe on a casual day-to-day -day basis using that equipment, but it's really important and it only takes one accident for... for oh, yes. Um, and it really isn't some, something people think about. People think, oh, I'm not going very fast or, oh, I'm just you know going around my farm or going around my property. It's not a big deal. I'll share a story actually that happened with my nephew. My father-in-law has some property in Ogden and the kids will ride ATVs on the property out back. And my nephew, who was unfortunately too young to be riding, was actually driving the ATV. And he, it's, he, he was not new to ATVs. He's ridden on them before. He knows about, he generally knows how they work, but he turned too sharply and ended up rolling the ATV and actually the handlebar of the ATV went right up inside his arm and he had to have some surgery oh, to um, fix some of the muscles and ligaments in there. So it, it only takes a second to make a mistake and that's one of the reasons why we're so focused on trying to get helmets out to the public to avoid brain, brain injuries. Thankfully my nephew was wearing his helmet okay, they always do but that's still ha but that's still a very common thing to have happen so we encourage helmet use hopefully we can continue in the future to do atv helmets um, we'll just need to look into our funding to make sure we can keep providing those to the community okay. just wrapping things up here we kind of touched on this a little bit before but if you had one message or one thing that you wanted the public to know about what you do here at the health department or something they can take advantage of, like we just talked about, uh, what would that be just kind of in one or two sentences? We want, I guess basically what I want people to know is we will partner with you. If, the, if you have a genuine concern going on in your community, contact us and we will find a way to help you in one way or another. We are a great resource. We have a lot of information let us know what you need. Right. I think that's a great thing to end on. We haven't heard that from anybody yet, but definitely important that we're here to serve the communities in whatever ways they need. Well, Alyssa, thank you very much for coming on and we'll look forward to having you again. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Summit County HealthCast. For news, program information, and more, visit us at summitcountyhealth.org. Stay healthy, Summit County.